0: The car business is rapidly changing, and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is the Dealer Playbook. We're sitting down now with the man, the super coach, Mr. Coach Burt. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dealer Playbook. Absolutely,
1: man. The Dealer Playbook. I'm excited yeah. to be with you, man. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate Robert listening to my books and reading my books and you guys having me on. I'm always honored to get out there and you got a phenomenal fan base and and I'm just excited to be with you today.
0: And 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 you know what a what a phenomenal opportunity it is to sit with an actual real coach talking about the plays in the playbook. So, you know that's kind of where I want to get started with you today, Coach. Is uh, I mean you you go from coaching championship basketball to uh, a, a life coach, a business coach, uh, a freaking juggernaut powerhouse in the business world. How did that happen? What what, what did that look like for you? What what made you go from coaching basketball to to where you're at now?
1: You know, I think people have a unique ability, some superior skill set. They're many times given very early in life at at birth. And and for some reason, I was given a talent of the emotional and psychological side of winning. You know, I really understood how to touch all four parts of a person's nature, the body, the mind, the heart, the spirit. And so early in my coaching days, man, I was teaching all of this success stuff to my players. I was teaching them the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and the principles of good degrade, and I was doing this with 14 to 18 year olds. And we began to win so many games that people began to ask me, you know, what are you doing? How are you winning? How are these players so competitive? And I said, well, I'm really, you know, teaching them all of these things from the business world. And it became so popular, people began to ask me to speak. And will you come talk at this and be at this banquet? And uh, so I really liked it. I, I wrote my first book at 25. And that's really when big corporate America and people begin to see me in another light than just a basketball coach. They really begin to see me as this motivational guy who understood how to take a group of people and get some serious results with them.
0: Okay, so and, and this is something I find interesting just on that topic about teenagers and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's so many people on the planet right now that complain about this entitled generation we have, but I think... I think everybody has potential for greatness. And and I love what you, you're talking about, how you're catching them at a young age and impressing upon them, you know, these 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 principles of success that they're not gonna that or that they wouldn't traditionally learn in the school system, I think is pretty powerful. What what we find now leading into my question here is Um, you know a lot of young people a lot of millennials in the car business um, you know Robert and I hear from them almost every day they send us emails saying hey I'm brand new to the business I want to make a big go of this I want to I want to do things differently what do you say to these individuals where do they start what's the what's the number one you know I guess coach Burt day one you know business 101 what's the concept that you you want to ingrain and or impress upon their mind right out of the gates
1: well, here's a big mistake I think millennials make, and I've got several on my team, is that I think they go for the money versus the mentor. And that's a tweetable right there, by the way. They go for the money versus the mentor. And what I mean by that is who's coaching you matters, okay? And and so I the reason I came to the concept of the Greatness Factory, my training facility in Tennessee, is because people would ask me, what did I do with those kids to get them to play at that level? And I'd say, well, we kind of got our own little greatness factory. Is we take kids from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all social and economic backgrounds, and we put them into our system, and five and a half hours a day for four straight years, we coach their knowledge, their skill, their desire, their confidence, and then we pump them out on the other side as winners. We're inner engineering people to win. Well, what's happening in our country? So a new person goes to work at a car dealership. They don't have a little greatness factory. They don't have a person coaching them every day. They don't have a person developing these things. So they're really left to learn it on their own. And that's why I suggest that a person that comes out that's ready to start needs to first find a great mentor that will pour into them every single day. I think about the guy, my sales guy. He, he's worked for me three different times. He spends three, four, five, six hours a day with me. And I'm just pouring everything I've ever learned into him, which is accelerating his opportunity to be successful. So the young people that go out there and try to make it on their own, they don't have a coach. They don't have a selling system. They don't have a good follow-up mechanism. They don't know how to take current customers to advocates. They don't have anybody coaching them. So they what they do is they flounder around for years until finally somebody walks into their life that helps them manufacture their own greatness so i would go for the mentor first versus the money
0: love that and and that is a tweetable that's a tweetable right there and and i i love that because you know um one of one of the things i learned one of the things my mentors taught me is is the first thing you just need to know who to listen to right but Mm -hmm. in, in your you know approaching it from your vantage point what should somebody be looking for how do they know who to pick to be their mentor
1: well, not all people want to be mentors. There's been people in my life that I sought out to be a mentor that had no interest whatsoever in being a mentor to me. A mentor is, and so I put these categories in different categories. They're different than a coach. A coach is a person that most likely I'm paying that is going to engage me in a set of systematic and consistent behaviors that allows me to do something tomorrow I cannot do today. A mentor is a person who's been there, and done that and they're going to give me wise counsel i'm going to go to them when i need something they're a trusted advisor they're going to walk me through a difficult decision that's a mentor and so the first thing you got to know is you may pick a mentor but if they don't have any interest in being a mentor, then it's never, ever going to work. And and I think this is big. A lot of people say, will you mentor me, Coach Bird? And I'm like, well, what does that consist of? Are you going to show up? Because I'll coach you all day long. If you'll show up and be here and be consistent, I'll coach you. Okay? But but but, but the first thing I think people got to do is find somebody that's interested in being that mentor.
2: No. You know, I want to be – it. It, it it makes it tough and uh, less enjoyable if you got a crowbar of the information out of the person and if they don't want to be a mentor. I mean that's pretty much what you're gonna do. You have to pull it out of them to get anything from them.
1: Yeah, and it's not a good relationship. You yeah. know, I, I hired I hired a guy last year, two years ago, to be my enterprise coach. I paid him a lot of money. But the reason I paid this guy to coach me and mentor me in that scenario was because he bought a company at $5 million, he built it to $100 million, and he sold it. And he cashed out and made a fortune, and now it's a $500 million company. And, and that year, I, he coached me in one very specific area, how to take Michael Burt from a solopreneur or single individual person to an enterprise. To Michael Burt Enterprises, where it's scalable, where it's repeatable, where we could sell it in the future if we wanted to. And I needed a coach in that specific area. So, you know, back to your question, Michael, where I go after is I go after mentors in a very specific niche. Like how do I build a national brand? How do I build a personal brand? How do I scale a company to $500 million? How do I do? How do I get involved in real estate? I need a very specific person to teach me that typically somebody who's done it.
2: Yeah, they, there's not a uh, one of those uh, like random store. Somebody once you know that has everything. You know, you don't go to a coach to learn personal branding. How to go to five hundred mil? You know, you you go to them for for the specifics and that they've done and you want to do basically. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I mean, this is power stuff right here for those of you listening in. I mean, you you got to be paying attention to the coach here because this is the playbook for building uh, a powerful, uh, you know, success system for yourself and for your, for the, for any business you build, whether it's your own, whether you're not a motive whatever it might be with that coach, let let me ask you. Um, so we, you, you've got mentors. Now you've got a variety of mentors, um, in, in specific, you know, areas that you want to really progress in. Where do I go from here? What is a person of influence? What does that mean? How does that apply to a car sales professional? I mean, especially in an industry that's, Got this negative aura just hovering over it. You know, people just would rather, you know, jump off a cliff chewing on tinfoil than deal with the car dealer. How how do you how do I you know, let's say we're talking to me and I'm not in in car sales or anything like that. But how how does one become a person of influence?
1: Well, I want you to think of a person of influence, a person of interest, as a person that that is very attractive to the market. It's a person that's in demand. It's a person that has certain ingredients. So in my town, you know, 200,000 people where I live, there are car dealerships all over town. But there are certain people that became the Car dealer in town. It's like a dealer of interest. You know, it's a person that has certain skill sets. So let's see what skill sets they have. They have knowledge. They're considered experts. They know everything about the automotive industry. I mean, everything. They've got skills. They're unbelievably at disseminating what it is they know. They've got passion and desire. They've got deep conviction for what they do versus just someone who wants to make a little money on the side. They've got confidence. They're true professionals. They see their profession is no different than a doctor or a lawyer or these high esteem positions out there in the market. They've also got incredible likability. That means they got good engagement. They got good energy. They've got deep networks. They know everybody. They're highly visible. They're seen about town with lots of circulation, and they've got some free prize. This is something in addition to that I get that I never expected, and this is one that a lot of people don't get. So I get that I can go to a car dealership, buy a car, so what? They may not ever follow up with me. They may never call me back. It may be an okay experience. I drive a BMW, and they call it the ultimate driving machine. I've got two BMWs, a white one and a black one. And I would tell you, I drive the diesel. It is it is the ultimate driving machine. And uh, so here's what I look for, though. Did the person from the BMW dealership that sold me two BMWs, by the way, at one time, did they ever follow up with me? Did they ever get involved in my life? Did they ever come back and show me new versions of the BMWs? Did they ever send me anything? Did they ever invite me back to the dealership? Did they ever try to get any referrals out of me? And you know what the answer is? No, no to all of those. And so I'm sitting there going, man, we bought two seventy thousand dollar vehicles.
2: Yeah, you'd be a gold yeah. mine client too, <laughs> yeah. Coach Burt. Yeah. Yeah. man. Anybody That's what in I'm that saying, area man. You better get on the horn with Coach Burt. <laughs> and,
1: and, and you know, I got a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes Sprinter that I travel on, and and I'm sitting there going, what's? I, I can't get it, man, because somebody spends seventy thousand dollars with me. You better believe, man. We've got people assigned to them. We got people calling them every week. We want to be a person of interest to them because here's what we got to remember, guys. Like gravitates toward like. Association breeds assimilation. So Coach Burke runs around with other people that have similar interests. People that buy my coaching programs have similar interests. They see what I drive to the office every day. They say, where did you get that car at? Man, I'd like to go get me one. So most... Auto dealers get a bad rap because of this. They don't treat themselves like professionals, number one. They don't follow up like they should. They see it as transactional versus transformational. And a a person of interest is in the transformation business, okay? They're never in a transaction business. So I'm interested in taking you and not just the first deal. I'm interested in us having a long-term relationship where i take your energy from low thoughts to high thoughts, and I am your guy forever. That's what a person
2: of interest does. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, man, you'd be a person of interest to me if I was selling cars still. Absolutely. Then you'd be a good referral network, too. <laughs>
1: absolutely, man. I see thousands of people a week, you know, and uh, I just don't understand. It's so hard for me to comprehend how you could sell a person th- that big of a purchase and they don't ever follow up with you. It just baffles me.
2: Oh, what about this? What, what about, you know, what else that don't you what else they need for to be a person of interest? And this comes from your playbook coaches swag, too, right? Swag, yeah, they
1: yeah. Need, yeah. swag is a book I wrote, yeah. a small book I wrote that had a big impact on a lot of people. And I wrote that book because I believe that that confidence affects all seven billion people on the planet. and it's either your greatest asset or it's your greatest liability. You know, it's either adding or subtracting. Confident people take risk and opportunity insecure people want comfort and complacency they're always contracting they're always retreating and so a, a, a person of interest notice that fourth ingredients of confidence so so a new word for confidence is swag you know is that you've got this internal knowing and belief that you can create or manifest something and so i'm attracted to people like that uh you know when I really get down and and, and i get tired I I watched a Tony Robbins video of him on Oprah Winfrey preparing for one of his Unleash the Power Within events. And I watch how he prepares, and I watch that there's 4,000 people coming. I watch how he gets his mind ready for what his body's about to do. And it it reminds me, man, I am a person of interest. You know, people are counting on me. They are expecting me to deliver the goods over and over and over. And when you can affirm and validate that in yourself, you first have to want to be a person of interest. I've never met a lazy person of interest, guys. (laughs) You have to work hard at being a person of interest.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So your your job isn't selling cars. Your job is becoming a person of interest. It's your personal brand, and it's it's applying those those four ingredients that you just talked about.
1: Yeah, because the bigger your person of interest score is, here's the deal: you can dominate a local market. It's a lot harder to be a person of interest in New York City with six million people than it is in a market with two hundred thousand people. Yep. So I believe in these mid major markets, two hundred thousand people are below. Man, you can completely saturate and dominate yeah. the market. and And so people ask me all of the time, this would be a great, you know, for you guys to think about. They say, well, if if you were in the car business, what would you do? Or if you were a real estate agent, what would you do? I, you know what I tell them exactly everything I'm doing right now. I would write books. I would have my own show. I would do my own podcast. I would be, you know, I write an article every week in our local newspaper. We put out yard signs all over our city. Everybody needs a coaching life. We just completely saturate and dominate this market. If I was in the car business, I would do the exact same thing because I do believe money follows attention. I do believe money follows energy. I do believe money follows uh, circulation and activity. And so, if you're really good, here's the problem nope, not enough people know it. People of interest are known, they're famous, they're celebrated. They are people that other people are interested in. Okay. And so, we got to give them something to talk about.
2: Yeah. Is it sometimes, and in, in some cases, do you believe that visibility will trump ability?
1: I've got a th- th- I've got a coaching client right now named Tommy Davidson, and uh, he read Person of Interest, and he's done all this stuff as a real estate agent. So he created his whole brand, Good Time Tommy. He he's writing a book. He's got his own show on my network. He, no other real estate agent it, it beca- has done this because he believes it is all about status, status sales, and so he believes. That people just go out there and pick any old random Joe to real, to represent them in real estate. So if he's better known, he believes that they'll pick uh-huh. him. So it's created a lot of buzz in our community, a lot of people for and against. It's created even some controversy. But here's the deal. His belief is that that status sails. And if he believes that, if you can get more attention than many times, it does trump ability. Now, here's where it's going to get you, Robert, is let's say you do have all this hype and people do sign up. And they do come to you, but you're not very good. what happens is you get somebody one time they become a lukewarm or passive customer and you lose the lifetime referral of that consumer and so it, it's almost that concept of it's not who you know it's what you it's not what you know it's who you know. I would add this when you get there, you better know mm-hmm. because once people do do business with you, they won't come back or refer you if it's a
2: big flop and it's all marketing buzz yeah but and but even if it is marketing buzz, well then you should at least be teaching that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you are good at it if you were able to get people to. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Person
1: of interest. You know, people, I wrote it on a premise that Jim Rohn said, to attract other people, we must become attractive. So what is it about our business that's attractive and what's unattractive? I think when you go to a car dealership, what's unattractive is a vulture sitting there waiting on me to pull in, to attack me. When I first get there to try to sell me a car, that's unattractive. So how can we solve that problem, you know, of, of making that of me putting my defense mechanism up? How can we be more professional about it? How can we schedule appointments? How can we do things like real professional businesses do them? And, and it's what we got to do is look at here's what's unattractive about buying a car. And another thing, when I bought these two BMWs, it took six hours, six or eight hours to do this. It freaked the finance person out because I bought two at one time and she, she, you know, blew her mind. And I was like, has this never happened before in the history of BMW? Somebody walk in and buy two of these. And so it, it, w- what should have been a great experience was just an okay experience. And I'm sitting there going, man, here, if you want to do this right, instead of it taking six hours and it being miserable, let's boil it down to an hour and a half. We get you the car you want at the price you want, and we do it in an hour and a half while you sit in this nice, luxurious place. We handle all the details for you. We get you cookies. We get you a sandwich. We get you whatever you need because you're spending $140,000 at one time with us. So whatever you need, we get it while we take care of this. And I think people need to really think about that, even when the service comes. When you go back to get it serviced, you know, what do they do? Do they have anything to eat there? The last time I took my BMW back, I had to walk across the street to get food. And so I'm walking out on the interstate to try to go get food. Hey, have the food there, man. Let's just start thinking about how we can make it great. Be the best at what the customer wants
2: the most, okay? Mm -hmm. And they want convenience and speed. Yeah, and don't show them. If if you're panicking because you're writing two deals at one time, don't let the customer know.
0: (laughs) I'm just about to start 140 and you're confused. (laughs) But you know what, it, that's, for, that's what it, that's it, and for me, it all comes back to what you said earlier, coach. It's all about, you know, you, you not not just focusing on this transactional relationship. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we face right now is we're so concerned about going straight to the cell. Uh, That the relationship doesn't expand beyond that and that that trickles down and you see all these breakdowns in the dealership. It takes too long. It it's not a very good experience because they're they're not thinking right now today. How do I become a person of of interest? They're thinking, how do I make money to make ends meet today?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Michael, is that that the biggest challenge, one of the biggest negatives to people is temporary thinking, short-term temporary thinking. And you guys could tell me this because you know know this industry, the the auto industry, better than I do. But in the real estate industry, and I coach thousands of real estate agents, here's what the stats tell me. You guys tell me what the stats are in your industry. For every one deal done, if it's done properly— If it's done really good, if there's a free prize, if it's exceptional, if we exceed expectation, that one deal should be worth 5.7 referrals over the lifetime of the customer, okay? So you should see every real estate transaction as six potential commissions. So having said that, what if I turn around and told you that 98% of real estate agents never call a customer back once they put them in a home? And the number one reason people don't refer their agent is they don't remember their name mm. so so this is supposedly the largest financial transaction of your life they'll tell you that on the front end when they sell you let me help you could take six months to two years with the largest transaction of your life and oh yeah when it's over i'm going to be so uh play such a minuscule role in your life that you're not even going to remember my name okay <laughs> so what are the stats in the auto
2: industry is it something similar to this that's a good question um I actually don't have a hard set. I know from my experiences, that's how I would always look at it. I always thought about when, when somebody would come in and they were that grindy um, price oriented, never wanted to, uh, they they were making it harder than it, than it, than it should have been, than it could have been. It's like, man, listen, I know I'm not going to get any referrals out of you. Like I'm not interested. I'm not interested if it's only one deal. If I only see one deal in you, I'm not interested.
0: Yeah. But you know you what? It, br- it, it brings more. up, it brings up a good point though, too, Robert, because, most salespeople in the car business think about this one sale and oh man, now I got to bump and grind and I got to hustle like, like, like nothing else next month because I sold the vehicle this month and now I got to create all these fresh opportunities. And they're not thinking about this almost this residual effect of of you know treat this customer with with, with an incredible experience and that actually turns into a residual income opportunity.
2: Well yeah and they burn it they burn the, they burn it big time on the fact that like when it's a, a married couple mm-hmm. that i think it's like 6 over 50% stat that the the spouse will be getting a buying an, a car in the next 3 months.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you think about this, I look at different industries. They tell us that the average person will spend $75,000 over the course of their lifetime in furniture. You know, from the time they got their first bedroom suit to the time, you know, they're older. So, if you were in the furniture business, how much of that would you want? All of you it. You say, well, I, yeah. <laughs> you say, man, I'd want all 75000 So, So, here's the deal. You know, uh, you know, I look at the swimming pool. You know, I put a swimming pool in at my house. T- typical swimming pools are between fifty and eighty thousand dollars, depending how you know expensive oh, you get or how. You nice. live
2: in Tennessee? Was that River Pools that put that in? for
1: you? <laughs> no, it wasn't River Pools. Okay, <laughs> uh, but, but 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 you know, I think about this because. I was in a subdivision where they were building other swimming pools and and I was the very first one. So every person that put a swimming pool in came to my house and knocked on the door and they said, Coach Burke, can we look at your swimming pool? And I'm like, sure, man, come on back and look at it. And then, then they asked the million dollar question, who put this pool in? And then the second question was, would you use them again? Now, let's do the math on that. Since then, there have been nine other swimming pools in our subdivision. If I say yes... I would absolutely use them again. That's 9 times let's say 50,000. That's 450,000 new dollars that comes into their company. If I say no, that's a potential loss of $450,000 to their company. So one customer, okay, in that scenario me could have brought the company f- almost 500,000 of revenue if we do it a great job, if we service it correctly, if we exceed our expectation. And, and that's that's the short-term people thinking people don't think of. one car could be six cars you know and so when people come to you you need to always remember that every customer is one of four types. They are a passive that means they did business with you they could take it or leave it. There's no referral there that you did make money off of them but it's one time or they're a detractor. they did business with you they didn't like it. so they're telling other people about the experience or they're an ad, uh, excuse me a promoter, So they're actually talking. I call it chirping. There's a little bit of chatter. They're saying positive things about you, but they're not fighting for you in the market. And the fourth customer, the kind I like, are called advocates. Man, those people out there fighting for me. They're out there stepping up. You know, Robert, when you read my books and listen to that, man, you were out there fighting for me. You're like, man, you got to get this book. We got to have this guy on the show. That's an advocate, okay and depending on how I do on the show with you guys today you'll walk out here and go you know guy was passive he was okay he was you know pretty good or man the guy was good more people need to know about that yep. and that's the kind of experience I'm interested in creating is to the level you know I, I went to see Tony Robbins a few weeks ago in la first time I'd ever seen him the guy went for 12 straight hours on day number one <laughs> 12 straight hours hours he didn't take a break to use the bathroom he and i'm sitting there going like how does he do this yeah. i mean so you know what he knows people will leave there and tell that story that man this was four days 50 hours the guy went 12 hours on day one and then you walked on hot coals then you walked on fire at 3 30 in the morning and so so he what he's figured out to build a 500 million dollar company is this this experience has got to blow
2: people's minds mm-hmm man well,
0: I'm finishing writing <laughs> yeah I, I mean yeah I, I'm just sorry I, I'm, I'm writing notes that's something that happens it's what happens we say that every episode we're like hold on we're, we're taking some uh-huh. notes here you know that that uh-huh. is some powerful stuff coach um, in winding down here I, I wouldn't mind you just talking a little bit because i know our listeners are going to be are, are thinking okay how do we how do we hook up with this guy um you mentioned earlier the greatness factory what what's that all about what 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 is that program like or or that variety of programs um for those that are interested in connecting with you
1: yeah man i'm telling you that story winding down man i'm just getting cranked up i thought we we're going 12 hours man <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we we definitely could we break it out into four seg- segments <laughs>
1: I'm here, baby. I'm here. Let's go the distance. No, the Greatness Factory is a concept I created. and Thank you for asking. It's a brand new concept I created, and, and I created it for this reason. I believe at some point in everyone's life, they make a decision, either through pain or potential or a role model or some pivot point in their life that they want to pursue greatness. They want to become great at the personal level. Some people make it early. Some people make it late. Here's the problem. When you make that decision in your city, where do you go? You typically, you do, you do what I did. You spend a couple thousand dollars and you fly across the country and you walk on calls with Tony Robbins and that's a three-day event. And then it's over, man. It's over. It's great, but then it's over. So I said, that's a problem. And what we did is build a greatness factory in our community. My goal is to have 50 all over the country. This is a place when Robert Wiseman makes a decision to become great in his life. He says, I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going down to the greatness factory. And we have programs for entrepreneurs like Monster Producer, which is a wildly popular program for for entrepreneurs that want to be legendary creatures. Yeah, yeah. Let's
2: so go into that real quick. The monster. I like that one. What's a what's yeah. a monster producer? Uh-
1: a monster producer is a legendary creature that combines multiple skill sets to dominate a market, okay? And so what we've done is created a three-year, highly intensive coaching program. It's one year at a time, renewable at the end of every year, and it's it's for people who absolutely want to dominate their markets. They want to be monster producers, so it meets every month, two hours a month, either in person or online. We have people all over the world in the program. They get personal coaching from me and my team. I do all the sessions. They have accountability. And then we give them the structures they need to go out there and build a big-time business, build a scalable business, build a business they can potentially sell at some point. And and so that's what Monster Producer is. And there's probably 50 to 60 people in that program right now. They pay almost $5,000 a year to be in that program at three ninety nine dollars per month, and we do it month after month after month. So I try to keep coaching programs affordable, cost-effective, and you can literally sit there and watch the program anywhere in the world. So we have programs for entrepreneurs like Monster Producer. We have Person of Interest Mastery, where it's a two-day experience with me where I walk you through the book, Person of Interest, and show you how to dominate a market. We have the Cheetah School of Selling, which is my selling academy around our book Zebras and Cheetahs and our legacy selling. And then we have a new program called Talent Supply where we take your people and in a very concentrated 90-day window, we get them talent ready to produce. And I, and I do see car dealerships interested in this program uh, because it's like the minor because, leagues
2: the farm system
1: yeah it is a farm system so you're going to send them to us for 90 days we're going to put them through intensive coaching two to three hours for three days a week we're going to teach them a selling system how to service and we're going to teach them mindset how to prepare how to plan how to attack a week it's and like we're going to s- give them back
2: it was like sending the dog to the dog trainer right mm-hmm. you know and so, that's what it is yeah. so that's we yeah, and we do
1: all of that at the at the Greatness Factory. So you can go to mygreatnessfactory.com. You can see all of our program. It's all online and in person, so we can really sell it to anybody in the world. And that's that's my ultimate vision for scaling uh, Coach Burt, is that we do have these greatness factories all over the country, not just in one city. We got it in our first city here. And if it's successful, we'll scale these into other markets that I'll eventually either franchise or I'll own all the Factories and then we run them but, I, but the training will come from me It comes from what's in my mind What's mm-hmm. in my books And then we pump it out To the market And the other place Is just go to coachburt.com, Which shows you All of the books I've written We have 10 books Out in the market I do do a weekly show On the Greatness
2: Network Which yeah. is my own network We're going to link To all that goodness In there right. Definitely in the show right. notes Because the show yeah. is good So you
1: Just you type Coach Burt, man Coach Michael Burt, And you can find it
0: I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to The Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.